0: Today's scripture comes from Psalm 22, 1-2, and 19-24. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. when he cried to him. You may be seated.
1: Gracious God, we thank you that Christ has risen. And by your spirit, we now see wondrous things in your word. And by your spirit, will the kids downstairs see a glimpse of your beauty this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Sam. I'm on the team here. I want to add my welcome to Brett's Welcome. It's so good to open up God's word with you this morning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So opens our psalm for today. The the book of Psalms is the songbook of the Christian Bible, teaching God's people how to sing and how to pray to God. And so on on this Easter Sunday, even as we have this magnificent choir to lead us in singing songs of praise about Jesus' death and resurrection, it seems only appropriate, doesn't it, that we spend our time looking at the psalm that Jesus himself cried out as he hung there on the cross. Psalm 22 is a psalm of two halves, and those two halves form our two points for this morning, abandonment and rescue abandonment and rescue. So first, abandonment, and again to the opening lines of Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. See, these lines and the rest of the first half of Psalm 22 put into words the suffering of one who is in great, great pain. So severe is their suffering, so deep are the wounds inflicted on them by their enemies, so overwhelming is their sense of loneliness that they feel abandoned by God himself. It feels like God has forsaken them. Day by day, they cry out to God, but it feels like just crying out into the void, crying out into nothingness, into the darkness, because God doesn't seem to hear or even care to answer. Have you been there before? Have you ever been in a situation where the song of your heart is just a cry of grief and pain? Perhaps you have been there before. Perhaps you will be. Or perhaps you're there right now. So overwhelmed and alone that you feel abandoned by God Himself. Or so overwhelmed at the state of the world around you that it feels like God has abandoned the world itself. What should we do with our pain? Well, firstly, the Bible assures us that the pain we feel is no illusion. Far from calling us to pretend our pain doesn't exist, or somehow find it within ourselves to, let, to just let go of the pain, the Bible acknowledges our pain. In fact, it gives us the words to express our pain and feeling of abandonment. Because far from, far from being a religion that denies the reality of human experience, Christianity is a religion that is rooted in the raw reality of human experience. We see it in this psalm, don't we? In the first half, we see the graphic, unfiltered language of a person in deep, deep pain. We don't have time to go through it, but let me summarize what we see in the first half. The psalmist feels like a worm. Like everything is coming apart, bones are out of joint, heart has melted like wax, strength has all dried up, and enemies are just circling around, waiting to devour and to kill. And then look at verse 16. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hand and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. You see, the psalmist is not just putting into words what the psalmist is going through, but putting into words the desperation of all who feel like they're about to die, who are wasting away. They can count all their bones, and they just feel like they're watching helplessly, waiting for their enemies to come in and kill them. You see, if you have a loved one or someone you deeply care about and you found out that this is what, how they feel and this is what they're writing, wouldn't you do what you can? Wouldn't you move heaven and earth to get them the help they need? And that's part of the point. Because the psalmist is crying for help, but heaven and earth are silent. The psalmist gives one last cry for help, verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. One last desperate cry for help into the void, into the nothingness, into the darkness. But then something remarkable happens. out of the darkness, a glimmer of light. Suddenly and unexpectedly, a glimmer of light shines through and the psalm turns. The psalm turns on four words, four words that transform the psalm from abandonment to anticipation, from helplessness to hope. Four words You have rescued me. Look in the second half of verse 21. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. You have rescued me. God has rescued us. See, Christianity is not just a religion of the first half. It's a religion of both halves. And that's our second point for today, rescue. In the midst of abandonment, rescue. What shall we do with our pain? See, God doesn't just acknowledge our pain. He rescues us from our pain. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because when you're in pain, you don't just want a doctor who acknowledges your pain. You want a doctor who cures your pain, who can rescue you from your pain. When you're in a burning building... Surrounded by fire, you don't just want someone who acknowledges that the fire is there. No, rescue me, you would say. You want someone who will rescue you from the fire and that's exactly what God has done. See, Easter is the day when Christians around the world celebrate those four words, God has rescued us. He has rescued us from the pain and fire of sin. You see, sin means to fall short of God's perfect standards. And sin is the root cause of all pain and all suffering and all sense of abandonment. When humans sinned, everyone and everything came under the power of sin. And so everyone and everything stopped working as they should. Sin is the root cause of all death and sickness and sense of abandonment. It's the root cause of disasters and people doing unspeakable things to each other. That's why the only way we can truly be rescued from pain and suffering is to destroy the root cause, to destroy the power of sin that causes all pain and suffering. And that's why Jesus had to die. You see, when Jesus was there hanging on the cross, his agony wasn't just from the weight of his body pulling down on him. Pulling down on his pierced hands and feet, slowly suffocating the life out of him. As excruciating as that was, that wasn't the only cause of his agony. You see, as Jesus hung there on the cross, it wasn't just the weight of his body, it was the weight of the sin of the world on him. Causing him separation from a holy God that sinful humanity deserves. That's why when Jesus was there hanging on the cross, he cried out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus' cry was a cry from the depth of the pain and suffering and abandonment he was going through. But that's not all. See, in choosing to cry out the very words of Psalm 22, Jesus was doing something else. He was inserting himself into the words of Psalm 22 to show that he was fulfilling the words of Psalm 22. The author Matthew, who's one of the four writers we have in the Bible who who describe who write for us the story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, Matthew goes out of his way to include details in his narrative that Je- to show us that Jesus was fulfilling Psalm 22. We see this throughout chapter 27 of, of Matthew. And I'll summarise some of the things we see. From the way the crowds mocked Jesus and wagged their heads at Him, to the way Jesus' hands and feet were pierced, His garments were divided by casting lots, to even crying out the very words of Psalm 22, Matthew wants us to see Jesus was fulfilling the first half of Psalm 22. Fulfilling it by taking on Himself the pain and suffering abandonment we see in the first half of of the psalm. But more than that, Jesus was fulfilling the, second, the first half of the psalm so that he could fulfill the second half. Jesus was taking all the pain and suffering and abandonment caused by sin so that he could rescue us. See, and Jesus could rescue us from sin because he didn't just die for our sins, he rose again from the dead, showing that his victory over sin and death was total and complete. If if you're new to church and Christianity, I know there are some of you here, welcome. You're probably wondering, why do Christians need to celebrate both Good Friday and Easter Sunday? Isn't one day good enough? The answer is this, Good Friday isn't complete without Easter Sunday. On Good Friday, we remember that Jesus died for our sins, and on Easter Sunday, we celebrate his victory over sin by rising again from the dead. Jesus died on Good Friday, and He rose again on Easter Sunday. You can't have one without the other. See, anyone can claim to have victory over sin and death. Anyone can say that. But only the one who comes back from the dead is truly victorious. As Alison, our Director of Worship, posted on her social media on Friday, Good Friday is good because Sunday is coming. And praise God, Sunday has come. See, Sunday has come, and so we can sing those four precious words, you have rescued me. Jesus has rescued us. See, Jesus has rescued us from suffering by taking on our suffering. He has rescued us from sin and death by taking on the sin and death that we deserve. But the good news of the gospel is that that's not all. Believe it or not, that's not all. Jesus has done more than rescue us from sin and suffering and death. He has rescued us for something better. He has rescued us for a glorious new life. You see, when Jesus was raised to new life that first Easter Sunday, he was guaranteeing the new resurrection life that all of us are raised to when we've been been united to him by faith. Romans 6 verse 5, which is another book of the Bible, puts it this way. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin, so that we can sing not just the first half of the psalm, but the second half of the psalm. We can sing of how he has rescued us and the resurrection life we have in him. So even as we are in the midst of the first half, with the grief struggling with the grief that comes with death, the pain and suffering that come with sin. God gives us the words to cry out our pain, but He also gives us a reason to sing the second half. In the midst of our grief, He gives us a reason to dare to praise Him in the midst of the pain. You see, Easter Sunday is the assurance that sin no longer has power over us. It is a guarantee that a day is coming when there will be no more death. And so, even when we feel like God is far away, even when we feel like we're just crying out into the nothingness, we cry out anyway because we know that God hears. And He has promised He is with us and will never abandon us or forsake us. So, what should we do? How should we respond? On that first Easter Sunday, when Jesus' friends and disciples were told that He was risen from the dead, they responded with joy and worship. Look at Matthew 28, verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, "Greetings!" And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. Christ city, the only appropriate response to the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead is to take hold of His feet and worship Him. Because Psalm 22 is a psalm of two halves, isn't it? The first half of the psalm gives us words to express our pain, but the second half gives us words to express our praise. Because of the four words, you have rescued me. Jesus made the first half of Psalm 22 true for himself so that the second half could be true for us. And so we praise him. Look Look at verse 22 of Psalm, of, of Psalm 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. you see, when our eyes have been opened to even get a, a glimpse, a small glimpse of how good God is and how much He loves us, we can't help but praise Him. To, to want to tell of His name to our brothers and sisters. But I want us to notice something else in our our psalm about how we praise God. We don't praise God by ourselves. We praise God together. Because God doesn't save us to sing alone. The Christian life is not a solo performance. It's joining the choir of God's people. The Christian life is not a solo performance. It's joining the choir of God's people. Look at verse 25. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I'll perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live together forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Psalm 22 is talking about the choir of God's people. How more and more people will join the choir of God's people till all the ends of the earth turn and remember and worship Him as King. Christ, the choir of God's people aren't just the people on the stage, they're every person on the stage and off the stage, every person from every time and every place who has been rescued by God. So, how do you join this choir? For those of you who have been uh, part of Christ City for a while, you would know that uh, my wife Jess uh, used to sing in a choir when she was younger. And when I say choir, uh, I don't mean just any choir, I mean the kind of choir that knows what they're doing. (laughs) The kind of choir that performs in venues so fancy that I have to wear uncomfortable clothes just to show my support to her, even though I don't know what's going on. That kind of choir. I, on the other hand, don't sing very well. If you've sat next to me, you would know. (laughs) Let me put it this way. In the Bay household, um, because the boys have seen, we have two young boys, they've seen Jess um, on stage in in the band. They sometimes like to pretend they're all in a band together. And so the boys are in charge of giving to us uh, roles as they deem we are gifted enough for. (laughs) And so Jess is obviously on vocals. Uh, Ezra is on guitar and, and vocals. Uh, Joe is on drums. And can you guess what they allocated to me? I am the mic stand. <laughs> I'm not just a mic stand, I'm a mic stand of a pretend mic. <laughs> and even then, even then, they have stopped rehearsals to adjust me. <laughs> We literally have a video of this. You can ask Jess for it later. The point is this. If you're, any, if you're someone like me, do you know? Let me tell you what I think when I watch, when someone like me watches a choir like that. I could never join them. Not that I ever want to. But I could never join them because I, I, I would never be good enough. Christ City, the choir of God's people is nothing like that. The choir of God's people is not a choir of the good enough, it's the choir of the rescued. There is no audition, just by invitation. And guess what? Everyone's invited. There's no audition, just invitation. And every single one, every single one of you, you are invited. All you have to do is accept the invitation. And you accept the invitation by putting your faith in God, trusting in Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, so that we might live a new life with God as our King, free from the power of sin and death. There's no audition. You don't have to be good enough. Everyone's invited, which is why the choir of God's people looks like nothing the world has ever seen the choir of god's people looks like nothing the world has ever seen because we have nothing else in common look around this room we have nothing else in common other than we have all been rescued by god i mean look at me and brett i've talked about this before but let me remind you again what do brett he was the guy who did announcements what do brett and i have in common let me let me say this first no one has ever mistaken us for brothers we couldn't be more different, could we? He's a white guy from Alberta. I didn't even know where Alberta was, and I'm a Chinese guy from Singapore. He didn't grow up going to church. I grew up going to church from as early as I could remember. He grew up playing hockey, and I like having all my own teeth. And of course, (laughs) as we all know, and we want some audience participation here, he's tall and I'm I was going to say less tall. (laughs) Slightly less tall, depending on the angle. But God's people have spoken, so amen. (laughs) (laughs) You see, Brett and I couldn't be more different. But yet we are brothers. (laughs) We are brothers because we have four words in common. God has Rescued us. We're brothers in the same choir of the rescued, the family of the rescued. And in just a moment, I want to introduce to you more of my brothers and sisters. See, part of joining the choir of God's people is getting baptized. Baptism is telling the world that you have been rescued and that you have joined the choir of the rescued. See, the act of being immersed in the water and coming up again is the picture of dying with Christ and being raised to the new life we have in Him. And so this afternoon, we are baptizing more members of our choir and they want to share their story of how God has rescued them.
2: My life before Jesus was really this feeling of searching for some kind of meaning in life, really feeling lost, not having any sort of figure that I could look up to, and really just a bad outlook on myself and and life in general. I had a dream where God spoke to me and He said that, I'm going to show you a path, but it's up to you what you do with that. I woke up that morning and had this overwhelming urge to get my hands on a Bible. I really couldn't believe it. It was a bit out of character because throughout my whole life, I had sort of a bad look on Christianity. and I ended up downloading the Bible. I read the book of Matthew, and that book was giving me so many answers. I was feeling these things that I was longing for in life just getting answered in this peace in my heart. I really couldn't believe it. Shortly after that, a couple days later, I go to Christ City to church. That morning, uh, I was just met with overwhelming love from everybody at the church. There was a few coincidences happening, some text that was I was obsessed over was appearing on the projector. But most of all, I felt love in my heart that was coming from God for the first time ever. And in that moment, I knew that God existed. It was a love like I've never felt before. Life now, I mean, it's just been an incredible journey. I find that every single week, almost every single day, there's something new that God is showing me. And now I have this feeling that, hey, if God can forgive me, maybe I can forgive others as well. And maybe if God can love me, maybe I can love others as well. So I want to be baptized uh, to really symbolize my old self dying and the new self that emerged through God's love is here now to stay. And so the baptism I feel like symbolizes that perfectly. And I, I just want to proclaim to the world that God is real and God does love every single one of you. And if you are going to knock at the door, he will let you in.
3: I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I didn't have any Christian friends, so I didn't know God and I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. I really felt like I was just in control of my own destiny, if I worked hard I would get things done, but also I just sometimes felt like I needed you know, someone but I didn't know who to turn to. I came to Christ at an Alpha session, specifically on the session for prayer. You know, at that time when I was attending Alpha, my husband and I had been trying to have a baby for at least two years, and it was really tough on our marriage, and it was tough on my friendships um, and all aspects of my life. It was just too much for me to bear, so at that session that evening, I said a prayer to God, and I asked Him to forgive my sins, that I would trust in Him, and you know, I would just give up the control. And I immediately just felt this weight lifted off my shoulders. And um, I've been following Christ ever since. 10 months after I said the prayer at the Alpha session, um, we were blessed with our baby. We got news that I was pregnant. My son is now three years old. And I just know that God is watching out for our family. And I'm, I feel really blessed. I want to be baptized because I want to declare my faith in Jesus Christ because He gave up His life for me to have eternal hope, and I wanted to vote and commit my life for Christ.
4: I grew up in a Christian home, and I've always known about Jesus. I've always like believed in Him. I just never wanted to like really like know Him and really like be a Christian. It was over a long period of time that I that I decided I wanted to follow Jesus. It was mostly when I was moving to Vancouver, I really needed somebody to trust and I needed to pray to him, like cause I needed help in the, in that time. I really want to know more about him and I feel him in me, like helping me through hard times and knowing what to do in certain situations. I wanna be baptized because I want to share with everybody that I am a Christian. And I want to obey God's commands by being baptized, because Jesus is King.
5: Before uh, knowing about Jesus personally, uh, my life was uh, sinful and I was not honest with uh, lots of things. I was not taught in a proper way and I had lots of questions in my mind. I didn't get chance to uh, get them clarified and I just left as it is and I was a uh, namesake Christian in my past. Later, I don't know uh, when and exactly how I I changed, but it was gradually changed, I came to Christ. After coming to Canada, uh, here I got a chance uh, to understand the Bible in a correct way through Christ's city. Now I place Jesus Christ uh, first in all my decisions or whatever I do for my family. Now I have hope for the future and I feel like He is walking with me every single day. I was already baptized when I was a baby, but now I want to proclaim myself that uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord and He is my Savior.
4: Before I had a personal relationship with Jesus, I would always struggle to listen to my parents and I would always play with my brothers and I would always want the newest toy, but I would never be fulfilled. A few years ago, I went to a weekly Bible school called Awana. They would always take time out of their day to tell you about how much God loved you and what he has done for us. I could feel God calling me to be a part of his kingdom. So one day, they asked me if I wanted to be forgiven, and I replied, yes. So they prayed with me, and I am a Christian. Now that Jesus is with me, he has helped me sinless and I have hope. I want to be baptized because I want to show others what Jesus has done for me and to proclaim that everyone needs a personal relationship with him i
6: grew up in a christian home but jesus was more of a side thought and not really a big part of my life i was more idolizing um, my friends and i didn't really think about jesus or god or what he has done for me in grade 8 i came to a christian school where i learned that Jesus isn't just a side thought and that he is supposed to be the top priority and that he is my king and that he died for me on the cross. I definitely take more time to appreciate God and what he has done for me and this leads me to be less anxious and worried so I can live more freely and be more at peace. I want to be baptized because I want to submit my whole life to Jesus and tell the whole world that Jesus is God and that Jesus is King.
7: My life back when I was my teenage years, I hung with all sorts of different people, all sorts of different groups. But the one main thing is that I never felt like I fit into any of those groups. I struggled with um, my identity, my purpose, um, never felt I was good enough. In 2006, I met Janie, and she walked with God ever since she was born. The idea of accepting Christ was floating in my mind for the longest time, but it wasn't until I met her that that idea was right in front of my face. So by God's grace, I was my work put me on an eight-month business trip, uh, went to a church there, uh, met up with the pastor, and I realized that I was trying to build up myself to a point where um, God would be pleased with me in order for me to accept Christ, but I realized that that was not the case. And so it was there that the pastor prayed with me and I accepted Christ in faith. Everything that I do uh, in in life for God is a response to what he has already done for me, even though I don't deserve it. And I think because of that, there's a there's a new joy inside of me that I want to just express. And one of the ways to do that is through baptism. Um, It's a celebration of what Christ has done for me. And that's something that I probably should have done a long time ago in my life, but you know, it's about time that I did it now. And yeah, I just wanna share that with everyone. I grew up in a Christian home, but I was never really passionate about the lord or my faith during the covid 19 pandemic i was at home and things were pretty stressful and a lot of uncertainty in the world and i was like yeah i don't know what's going on but i think i should just turn to jesus and i started reading my bible every day with, and started encouraging my family to keep reading every day as a family together at the dinner table and it just started to become a great habit and i started to have a great passion for jesus and god I've just been continually reminded of His presence and what He's done in my life, and I want to keep Him at the center of my life. I want to be baptized because I want to proclaim my faith and put all my trust in the Lord as I take the next step in my life.
8: I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I kind of just seeked happiness and relationships because I felt like I couldn't find happiness on my own, and also really like to control how things were, so I'd like to lose sleep over planning ABC I want to get this done in a certain timeline and so yeah I think I went through that cycle on over and over and again and just constantly trying to find happiness it wasn't until I met my husband a boyfriend at the time asked me to go to church with him and so we attended West Side together but at the time I don't think I was going for the right reasons I was really just going because he had asked me to go Um, him and I hit a rough patch in our relationship, and I completely lost control. I was upset, and I made an attempt um, on my life. And I think at that point, I realized I had lost control, and I asked my parents to take me to the hospital just so I could get the help I needed. So it was when I was checking in, waiting in the hallway. For some reason, I just had the sense that I needed to read the Bible. It was really just like God was the only one who could help me, and so, after I was discharged, I started going to church with my friend, and I think I think the messages just hit differently at that time. I was really connecting to the sermons more, and I just think over that process, that's how I really came to know Christ. Life now coming to Jesus, I still like the control of my life, but I've come to realize that God's really the one in control. It's His perfect plan, His timing, His way, and I just have to trust that He's always with me. I can be anxious about anything, but He's still walking side by side with me along the way. I want to be baptized because I want to declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the one who saved me through his merits, not my own, and that I'll be
9: walking with him for the rest of my life. So I grew up in a Christian home with good Christian parents, uh, going to a Christian school and uh, going to church regularly. And Christianity felt like a set of rules and obligations to me. And I decided that I didn't want that as part of my life anymore. So when I was 30, I decided to take a trip around the world to find myself. And uh, what I didn't expect was that I would find God as well. Uh, When I was in Thailand, um, I experienced firsthand, uh, from talking to refugees from Burma, the suffering that they had to go through. And I think that was the start of a process of realizing that God was bigger than I thought he was, and that God was more than just rules and responsibilities. And that opened my eyes to what a world with Christ would really look like for me. Since coming back to Christ, I've realized the joy that it is to participate in Christ's body, to be part of his church. Life with Christ now is meaningful, deep and rich. And I can't imagine now living without Him in my life. And today, I want to get baptized to celebrate um, who God is, uh, what He means to me, and just to honor Him and worship Him for all that He is.
10: I have grown up in a Christian home, and they've taught me about Jesus. And so as long as I can remember, I've
2: followed Him.
10: Life with Jesus feels fun and exciting and wonderful to learn more about Him and find out more ways to love Him. My favorite verse is Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 to 13 because it makes me think of how strong and powerful He is. And the verse is, I looked up and I saw a white horse and behold the one on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of god I love jesus because he died and rose for me and he loves me and because you know he's so truthful and because whenever you believe in Him, you don't have to be afraid of anything that's gonna happen. I wanna be baptized because I wanna tell the church that I believe in Jesus and that I commit my life to Jesus and that He is the Savior of my life.
1: The choir of God's people looks like nothing the world has ever seen. It's not by audition, it's by invitation and everyone is invited. Let's stand together as you respond to God's word.